think that's five folks. Yep, we have five here, so we definitely can get started. Okay, like we're recording now, so good evening, everyone. Um, before we get started with the Human Relations Commission on May 10th, 6.06 p.m., I'm going to go ahead and read this uh, statement. So thank you, uh, Chairperson Sellers. Good evening, my name is Dr. Ferris Muhammad, and I'll be facilitating the Zoom meeting. Here are a few housekeeping items for this virtual meeting. This meeting is being broadcast and recorded on the City of Lawrence YouTube channel. The public chat function is disabled. All chat will go directly to me. When you are not participating in the meeting, please mute your microphone. When you are participating in the meeting, please keep your video on. When you are not participating in the meeting, please turn your video off. You will still be able to hear the meeting. You can turn your video back on when you are participating. Turn your video off when you are not participating. Allow the active meeting participants to be seen on the screen. If you have any trouble, please send me a chat. The city reserves the right to mute microphones and or turn off people's video to minimize distractions. Please remember to state your name every time you speak for the benefit of those listening remotely. And now I, Ferris Muhammad, the Director of Equity and Inclusion for the City of Lawrence, will turn the meeting over to Chairperson Sellers. Thank you, Dr. Muhammad, and good evening, commissioners, and welcome to our May meeting. So we do have a robust, um, brief but a robust uh, agenda with, for us this evening. So go ahead and get started. Um, Dr. Muhammad, do we need to do a roll call or can we just go ahead and dive into the minutes for today? Uh, I think it might be best if you were to do roll call so we can make sure that we do have a quorum in case you all have to uh, vote on approving the minutes. All right. Okay, commissioners, we'll start with Commissioner Burnett. Present. Commissioner Logan. Present. Commissioner Emerson. Present. Commissioner Falls. Commissioner Stevens. Commissioner Bluxom. Present. Commissioner Haswood. Commissioner Sheldon Sherman. All right, looks like including myself, Dr. Muhammad, we have eight commissioners. We have a total of five commissioners present. That does give us quorum to handle business this evening. We will go ahead and get started. And I'm sorry, this is uh, Ferris Muhammad, uh, oh. Director of Equity and Inclusion. We did have Chairperson, um, uh, we did have another commissioner waiting in the waiting room that I just approved and let in, which was Chairperson okay. Stevens, I mean, uh, Commissioner Stevens. All right, I do see, this is Commissioner Sellard, I do see Commissioner Stevens, we're doing roll call. So I see you're ever present. Thank you. So that gives us a total of six commissioners this evening for a quorum to handle business. Commissioners, first on the agenda is the approval of the minutes from our April 12th meeting. If you haven't had a moment to review those minutes, please do so at this time. And I'll give us a couple of seconds, about 30 seconds to review the minutes. If you need longer, please let me know. At the conclusion, I will need a motion to approve the minutes from the April 12th meeting in a second. 
is Commissioner Barnett. I move to approve the minutes of the April 11th meeting. Thank you, Commissioner Barnett. This is Commissioner Sellers. It's our April 12th meeting. I know you said April 11th, but it is April 12th. That's a friendly amendment. Can I get a second? This is Commissioner Emerson. I second. Thank you, Commissioner Emerson. It's been properly moved and second to approve our April 12th minutes. I'll do a roll call vote. Commissioner Barnett. Yes. Commissioner Logan. Yes. Commissioner Emerson. Yes. Commissioner Stevens. Yes. Commissioner Bluxom. Yes. And this is Commissioner Sellers. For I, so that gives us a total of six zero motion carries. Thank you, commissioners. Next on our agenda, under section B, number one, receive case reports. We do have with us uh, Miss Elizabeth Hafoka. So, Miss Hafoka, you now have the floor. Thank you, Chair Sellers. Good evening, commissioners. My name is Elizabeth Hafoka. I'm the supervising city prosecutor. And I also do the um, discrimination investigations for the city. So when an individual wants to file a discrimination complaint alleging housing, employment, or public accommodations discrimination, they can file it with the Lawrence Human Relations Office. And then um, my office does uh, investigate those. And I come to each meeting and give an update of where we're at with our investigations. And I also provide information about each inquiry that my office receives that does not result in a um, formal complaint being filed, just to keep everyone informed about what's going on. So since our last meeting, um, currently we have one open investigation. It is a allegation of uh, discrimination in the area of public accommodations and the basis is race that is ongoing. There were zero cases closed since our April 12th meeting, uh, but I will remind you that there was a probable cause finding for a housing discrimination case that was issued on March 8th of this year and conciliation efforts are ongoing to try to resolve that complaint. Um, the following inquiries were not discrimination related or at least did not result in a formal complaint um, and were handled as described. We had one caller state that their landlord uh, is evicting them because uh, they called the police on a bar next door and complained about the temperature, the heat. We referred that person to housing and credit counseling. Uh, another caller was trying to reach city human resources. We provided them with the phone number. There was uh, a person who submitted an online intake form, but we were not able to investigate that. And due to conflicts of interest, that individual is currently on probation in municipal court. Um, I did reach out to his attorney and provide the contact information for the state agency that handles these investigations, the Kansas Human Rights Commission. We had another caller trying to reach human resources. We provided that phone number. Another caller was trying to find out a list of landlords near the KU campus for an article they were writing at the University of Daily Kansan. Uh, we did not have that information. I'm not sure where they were where they were forwarded. Um, another caller was trying to find out the status of a complaint that she had filed with HUD. And we explained that we had to waive her case back to HUD uh, probably about a year ago or so because she had open cases in Lawrence Municipal Court, which presented a conflict of interest. Um, but we, we referred her back to HUD to contact them. 
Another caller wanted to report safety concerns about a rental property that they lived in. And we referred that person to housing credit counseling and also city planning and development services. Uh, caller called, was upset about construction work that was being done in his neighborhood. So we referred that person to the main city directory. A social worker from Independence Inc. called because an individual that they work with who's a tenant has uh, requested a reasonable accommodation to move to a lower level apartment due to their physical disability. And the landlord has tentatively agreed to that, but wanted to uh, require the tenant to reapply uh, for a lease and also pay a $100 uh, releasing fee. And we did explain to um, that representative that we would accept a formal discrimination complaint or that we could be a resource if needed um, and gave some information about um, our interpretation of uh, the law regarding reasonable accommodations in their disability and housing um, and sort of left it in that uh, the tenants court about how they wanted to move forward if they wanted to file a complaint or not. We had another caller uh, called and left a message and we, it was was not real clear about what they wanted but after some further investigation they were trying to do a records request and we were to, it were, we were able to provide that information uh, another caller reached out was concerned about checks and balances of the mayor's appointment of individuals to boards um, specifically mayor ananda appointing her partner to lmh board while the mayor and we referred that person to the city attorney's office uh, we had a caller trying to reach out to planning and development services about a permit and we went ahead and made sure they had that information to get to planning and development services we had a caller uh, tell us that there's a pest problem in their apartment and the landlord is non-responsive we referred that person to housing and credit counseling we had a landlord uh, reach out to us wanting to know if they could evict people now and we referred that person to housing and credit counseling we had a caller uh, reach out because they were not getting an answer from their landlord about um, rental property and they suspected that it was related to their service dog. And so we informed that person of the process to file a formal discrimination complaint. Uh, we had a caller reach out to us because they were having issues with the landlord regarding a checkout time. And we referred that person to housing and credit counseling. Another caller reached out because uh, it had been over 30 days and their security deposit had not been returned. And we referred that person to housing credit counseling uh, and also Kansas Legal Services and Douglas County Legal Aid Society. And finally, we had uh, someone reach out to us to uh, request verification of employment and we referred them to human resources. Uh, that's all I have for the case update report and inquiry information. Does anyone have any questions? Hi, this is uh, Commissioner Emerson. Uh, first of all, I want to say, wow, you have had a busy month uh, compared to the month before. That's quite a few calls. Uh, so I first want to just acknowledge that additional work that you've done. Um, you guys did this uh, last month with that. So thank you for your service there. Um, I had um, three questions and then one like kind of housekeeping question. So I'll start with the housekeeping questions. Uh, when, when, with these reports, are you able to put the date um, when calls are received? Is there any conflict in, in doing that? Cause it, it's kind of nice to see like um, in a month, like uh, is there an increase on like, you know, weekly or is it daily you're getting multiple calls? I think that information would be helpful. So I wasn't sure if that was a conflict at all. And I'll, I'll pause to let you respond. 
we do have the dates, so um, I could include that in in uh, my next report if you would uh, if you would like me to do that. They're they're logged each time uh, we receive a call or get a voicemail or email, so that's part of the information that we track. Awesome, thank you. Um, and then one of the uh, questions I have, you know, just for um, individuals who may be listening, uh, when you're talking about conciliation efforts, um, can you kind of explain that term a little bit more for those who are unfamiliar with that term when it comes to settling uh, or just responding to um, probable cause cases? Sure. So, oh, I'm supposed to say my name too. My, this is Elizabeth Hafoka, Supervising City Prosecutor. So we have a um, mechanism in our Chapter 10 Human Relations Ordinance that allows for conciliation from the beginning of the filing of a complaint, you know, all the way through to resolution, however that is. So um, conciliation is a voluntary process that uh, all parties and the city could engage in. It's similar to mediation. That might be a concept that people have heard of more than conciliation, but it's a formal process of dispute resolution where the parties come together and try to see if they can reach an agreement um, on uh, how to resolve the discrimination complaint. So sometimes those agreements will include relief to the complainant. Sometimes it's um, relief to the city. Sometimes it's um, public interest provisions like training or education or um, things like that. Uh, But it's just a process that can be done alongside investigation or after there's a probable cause finding or after there's a hearing. Um, Basically, at any stage in the process, um, we we can get... Uh, voluntary uh, parties uh, together to try to settle the complaint. Uh, Thank you. This is Commissioner Emerson. And then my very last question that I have is um, what, um, I guess, what is the intended outcome when we're referring um, uh, complaints or just calls that receive ends? Because, you know, we have uh, when there's conflict of interest, we refer over to HUD, refer back to HUD. Or when there's a conflict of interest, we might refer over to HCDI. So I was kind of curious about that. This is uh, Elizabeth Hafoka, Supervising City Prosecutor. You're asking me what is the purpose of referring people? Or our intended outcome? Well, I think that the city um, is one of the goals, uh, at least that my office tries to meet, and I think the city as a whole, is really providing people with information that they need. So if someone's reaching out to the human relations office, whether it's a problem that um, is actually discrimination or whether they just need information on the Landlord-Tenant Act or they're having an issue um, where they need planning and development services about a permit. I think the best way to provide customer service to our community is to try to, if you can't answer their question, um, refer them to somebody who can, where they can get more information. So people feel like um, the city can be a resource to them and that if they're having an issue and they need to be heard, that either we can help them solve that problem immediately or we don't just dismiss them without giving them, you know, further resource, a further place to go to try to get their problem solved. Uh, this is Commissioner Emerson. I just want to say thank you, um, especially for those who are listening. I, I think knowing that the Human Relations Commission is here to support is, is always really important. So thank you. 
This is Commissioner Bloxham. I have a couple questions. One that is followed up by Commissioner Emerson's question just now, and something that I've that this might be um, part of our ongoing committee. But what I'm wondering is, in those cases where there's a conflict of interest, which, in my very humble opinion, are usually our most vulnerable citizens that have ongoing cases with the city, and I understand the conflict of interest, but how are we doing due diligence to make sure, how do we find out any more information on whether or not those cases are heard? And can you educate us on when they go to HUD, what happens to them next? If the city can't have anything to do with it because of a conflict of interest, what are the next steps? Does HUD actually, do they get put off to another county? Like, how do we make sure that we're following up? Because it's happening in our county. So chapter 10 would cover the oversight of this board. So how are we making sure that those cases are being heard? Um, and I'll just stop there. If my question makes sense, Elizabeth. This is Supervising City Prosecutor Elizabeth Hafoka, and it does make sense. And I think that one of the things to consider is that HUD and the City Human Relations Commission have a partnership. They have an agreement. And part of that agreement is HUD looking at our anti-discrimination law, our Chapter 10 ordinance, and making a determination that it's comparable and similar to the Federal Fair Housing Act. So HUD has created these partnerships with these smaller agencies around the nation. And it's uh, so there can be, um, they can have assistance. It's the Fair Housing Assistance Partnership or program. They can have assistance and have local agencies doing investigations in that area. Now, if there's a situation where there's a conflict of interest or for whatever reason, um, we can't do that investigation, then it's waived back to HUD. And then HUD has their own investigators that act just like we would act, and they would do the investigation, and it would be based on the Fair Housing Act and whether the conduct violates the Fair Housing Act. But it would be substantially the same process that we have. Um, it would just be someone from the um, Kansas City office, most likely, that's doing the actual investigating. Does that answer your question? Yeah, thank you. So is there, because we have this relationship, is there is there a way that we can see outcomes on the cases that make sure that they're being heard and what those outcomes are? If we say, look, I think this is substantial enough that I'm going to refer you to HUD in Kansas City, So, and we have a conflict of interest, how is the oversight of this commission following those cases? Is there a way? How can how can we as a commission be connected with those people? Because we have several, and I understand why. I I'm not I'm not going there with how why we're doing it. I want to find out how can we as a commission continue to oversee the process of these vulnerable citizens that are making a complaint that we can't answer. How can we make sure that those citizens are there? That their complaints are being heard and followed through on. This is uh, Elizabeth Hafoka again, supervising city prosecutor, and I probably the way to do that would be to reach out to HUD and see where um, that 
particular inquiry is in the complaint process. That's not something that we have done, at least not since I've been here, um, since 2011. Um, so I, I think there would be a way to check in with HUD and see what happened with that. But that's not something that we do right now. Understood. My second follow-up question was, there was um, a formal discrimination complaint and they believed that it was in case or it was because of a service animal. And then they were informed on the process, but then there's nothing else. Like, wouldn't that be where we initiate an intake or not? Or do we just inform them on the process and say, call again at this time and do a complaint? Or when we're calling, are we taking that complaint? Because it sounds like just from the notes that they, if they're assuming it's because of a service dog, why wasn't an intake completed right then? This is uh, Elizabeth Afoka again. I did not personally speak with that individual. That was the other investigator in our office. Um, and from the information that was logged, um, what I can say, I believe uh, from what Ms. Summer, the information either she provided or she got from that individual, they may not have been ready to file a complaint yet. They may have, um, they may have been wanting more information. I really don't know because I didn't have that conversation. But my guess is as uh, compared to, I spoke with the person from Independence Inc. So we try to give people sort of a general overview of uh, sort of what our ordinance covers and explain to them, you know, they can submit their, their complaint right now. We can set up a, you know, a, a way to do that. Um, more of a formal, uh, like an in-person or right now we're doing Zoom interviews. They could submit something online. Um, so there could be a number of reasons why that was not filed immediately. And I don't know that information. Um, but uh, all I can say is that the complainant either was not ready to file that um, or um, or there was something that was not there's something that the investigator did not believe was jurisdiction uh, for that. Understood. Now, going back to the notes, I didn't know that this was in combined with the Independence Eek case. This says caller not getting an answer from landlord about rental property suspects it's related to her service dog so it, it appears to me that the caller was calling to make a discrimination complaint and my question specifically is then why wasn't an intake com completed at that time and i hear that there's an additional process which is that's what i want to narrow down how many steps is there to getting an intake and investigation when a person is initially calling i'm assuming sometimes they're leaving messages, we're answering them and trying to get a hold of them because that's happened in the past. But this specific one is the caller is saying she's not getting an answer and she thinks it's related to the service dog. Are we on the same one? Is this the independent seat case or no? No. Okay. No. So what I was talking about was we will sometimes have people that call and either ask questions or make an inquiry, but for whatever reason, they're not ready to file a complaint or they decide not to file a complaint. And we make sure that they understand the process and that we're there and what they can do to file a formal complaint. And what I meant was I spoke with the individual from Independence Inc. So I'm a little bit more familiar with exactly 
uh, all of the uh, facts of that. I did not speak with this particular individual, um, but from what the notes say, she was informed of that process um, and uh, of how to file a formal complaint. So um, we left that in the complainant's hands as to whether uh, whether that person wanted to or did not want to. Now, that's not to say that um, she may reach out back to us, you know, next week or next month. They do have a year. Um, and that is also, you know, explained to them as part of the process and part of their rights, you know, as uh, a person that, you know, may have jurisdiction to file a complaint. So um, I don't have personal knowledge of that conversation, but that's the information that I can provide based on what's here and based on what I know are our practices. Thank you for that. For as we go into breakout sessions, eventually, we'll talk about that more later. I think it would benefit this body to know what that process is. So either someone leaves a message or calls you and you answer the call and you advise them of the complaint process, what is their next step? What I'm asking is it can't all be done in that conversation if they decide that they want to. Uh, okay, this is Elizabeth Hapoka again. Um, sometimes I can do, it really just depends on if I'm available or if, my, if I'm in court. If I'm available right then, I can say, okay, let's go ahead and have this intake interview right now. If they're interested in filing a complaint, and from what I'm hearing, I believe there's jurisdiction, then I can have that interview right now. Um, and then I can prepare the complaint, and then I can start the formal process. If I'm not available or there's not an investigator available, then it's we're going to take this information, we're going to give it to an investigator, and that person's going to call you back and um you know and do the intake interview in the initial interview and talk about the complaint the majority of the people who contact our office are not wanting to file a discrimination complaint so that doesn't happen very often but that would be the next step is to get the complaint going which we have to have a more comprehensive interview to do that and then start the process of, of filing that I understood. And I just, I'm wondering in the future, especially in these situations when it just says informed of process, if perhaps there can be some more information, like informed of process and gave the caller um, contact information for you, or this is the date that we were going to call them back and we couldn't get them back, but a formed of process really leaves it kind of ambiguous for this body to oversee and make sure that the citizens are being heard when they're actually connecting with a live person, if that makes sense. But I, I thank you for your time and explanation. It means a lot. I appreciate it. Thank you. This is Elizabeth Havoke again, and that does make sense, Commissioner Bloxham. And what I'll do is I'll go back tomorrow and speak with um, the other three people that work in my office and just talk to them about this conversation that we had and just ask them to make sure to put enough detail in these logs so that when I'm giving my case reports and when you're listening to it each month, that you're not left wondering, um, was this done right? Is this being done right? Because we want to be able to provide you with that information up front. Wonderful. Thank you so much. This is Commissioner Sellers. Thank you, Ms. Lafoka. And I think you touched on something real quick, Ms. Lafoka. When you, um, you go back to speak with the other individuals that work in the office, I'm assuming that you, and correct me if I'm wrong, when you are doing the intakes, 
Is there a guide script to ensure that when whoever is doing the intake, they are capturing not just the standard information, but is there, you know, as far as, is there a script for a lack of better words that is used to ensure that information is captured equitably and, you know, across the board so that we're capturing the same information, at least standard information across the board when calls come in? This is Elizabeth Tafoka again. So I'm the one that does the intake interviews. So if somebody calls and it's not able to be, you know, referred somewhere because they, you know, it's something that doesn't have anything to do with discrimination, then um, I get that information. I call them back. Um, or Ms. Summers, the other investigator in our office, she would be the one to do that because we're both attorneys. We have a better probably, uh, well, I don't want to say that. Uh, we just since we do the investigations, then we feel like we're uh, well equipped to conduct the initial interviews. We know the information we need, but we don't have other people. We don't have other people doing our intakes. It's me or it's the other investigator. Now, when someone just calls and, um, you know, they may talk to the one of our legal assistants, if it's anything that sounds like it could be anything at all, um, then they're going to get that information or they're going to get us immediately and get us on the phone. Um, if we're not available, then they're not. But that's why we started these logs, too. And I will review them and make sure that I have a, you know, an idea what's going on. So we're not, you know, sending people to where they don't need to be if their issue is a discrimination complaint. Um, but I don't have a script necessarily. I probably used a script when I first started because I hadn't done as many and I was um, still learning how to do it. So back in 2011, 2012. I really had things written down, you know, so that now it's, um, I know what jurisdictional elements I have to cover. I know what information I have to put into the HUD database. I know, um, you know, it's kind of like a, when I'm conducting a direct examination of someone who's testifying on the stand, you know, it's, it's really open-ended questions. What happened? You know, who are the witnesses? Uh, why do you believe it's this? What do you think is going on? So just, an, uh, it's an interview that really allows the complainant an opportunity to tell, you know, their side of the story and give their version of events and really listening for, okay, what details am I going to need, you know, to follow up on for this investigation. But as far as a script, um, no, I think that would be limiting. And so right. I don't have necessarily a script. And this is Commissioner Silver. So I don't want to necessarily say a script. I think that doesn't lend to what I was discussing. The idea is that there's two of you that are doing the interviews and in your opinion, you feel confident that the both of you are capturing or interviewing in a manner that there's no, I don't want to say bias, but you're, you are, you are um, doing the interview in a way that you're capturing the correct, both of you are capturing information in the same manner and that there's not one that may be doing it in a different way that may be capturing information or maybe limiting the, the interview in a way that information is not being captured. I know it's not, I get what you're saying. You know, you're comfortable as, you know, attorneys, you've done this enough, you know what you know, but knowing that you're doing an interview and someone else is doing an interview, I just want to ensure that when these interviews are being done, someone's not cutting corners, so to speak, and that we're, we're, we're not really being intentional about asking the questions that we need to ask, because 
I can do something if I'm good at it and I can continue to do it. But oftentimes I, you know, you may cut a corner every here or there, whether it's doing a recipe or something of that nature. I just want to know, is there a mechanism in place that the two of you are going back to, you know, whether it's doing some type of case review and you're asking questions about, okay, so can, what can you explain to me about this interview, this, you know, this call? I just want to make sure that as our groups go through and we start to, when we break out into our groups and we look at what that, what that function could potentially look like, whichever subgroup does that work, are, are, are the individuals who are in charge of doing this work, do you feel confident that you both are handling your interviews in a way that they're equitable regardless of whoever a person calls in, if they talk to you or they talk to Ms. Summers. This is Elizabeth Hafoka again. So I would say I could probably, there might've been one or two interviews that I have not been available for, but um, I am there for almost all of the interviews. And one of the reasons why I think that's good to have two people, and Ms. Summers will sit in on mine too, um, is just to have a witness, another set of ears writing down what people are saying. And Ms. Summers and I, we work so closely together, being the only two prosecuting attorneys um, that handle the criminal cases for the city. We're staffing cases all the time. So um, we're, our offices are right next door. In fact, I, I really, we can hear each other, conversations we're having. We just work very closely together. Um, and unless I've been sick or out or something like that, um, I always sit in on the interviews that she does, and she sits in on the interviews that I do. Now, like I said, if there's somebody who calls in with an initial, you know, they're calling, we're picking up the phone, it may be that, um, you know, they're not scheduled for a formal interview, depending on where we are, but we're going to reach out to that person, get an idea of the information. And yes, I'm going to follow up with Ms. Summers and say, what happened with this conversation? You know, and who, did someone talk to this person? What happened? So, um, I mean... No, I don't think that there's uh, any sort of cutting quarters, cutting corners going on. Um, I think that we do uh, we do uh, a good job of getting the information that we need and really talking to each other, making sure we're on the same page, making sure we're doing the right thing, making sure we're providing the service that we're supposed to be providing to the people who reach out to the Human Relations Office. Thank you, Ms. Lefoca. I appreciate that. This is Commissioner Barnett. Sorry, Beth, um, I have a couple questions. Um, so what happens if there are conflicts that do not have to do with housing? Where do they go? This is Elizabeth Afoka. The public accommodations and employment cases would go to the state agency, the Kansas Human Rights Commission. And this is Commissioner Barnett. And then um, would there be a conflict if this commission was handling the investigations or is there only a conflict because the city prosecutor is charged with handling the investigations of these complaints? This is Elizabeth Hafoka again. I think that each specific situation um, could present, uh, it, you know, a different set of a conflict of interest. You know, with, with anytime um, you're going to represent someone, there could be a conflict. You have to check the conflicts. 
Um, and the same thing is when you're when you're supposed to be, you know, a neutral investigator, you want to make sure that there's no uh, conflict or appearance of a conflict. If if another if, if the commission or uh, the commissioners or any other office or any other agency was doing these investigations, you still would have the potential for conflicts based on who those people are and what sort of complaints present themselves. Does that make sense? Yes, that makes sense. Um, and then um, what, you know, you said that you're, you're pretty good at doing this. You've been doing this for over a decade now. Um, I appreciated um, our chair sellers her question about, um, you know, being intentional about the questions that you ask. And um, I think we're just trying to, I'm certainly trying to understand uh, more about what this intake process looks like. And so when someone says that they are having a question, they have an issue with their checkout time, um, how do you follow that up? Do you say checkout time is not, does not fall under chapter 10 or, you know, like how, what does the questioning look like? Can you explain to me why you think your checkout time is related to discrimination of your race, disability, religion, class, you know, whatever. Um, how, tell me a little bit about that. So I'm gonna, this Elizabeth Hifoka again. So I'm gonna ask questions like, what's going on? Tell me tell me what's going on, why you called today? Um, and uh, no, I'm not going to say, uh, do you think it's based on this protected class or this protected class or this protected class? I'm gonna ask questions like, well, why do you think this is happening? You know, why, why, um, what, why do you think this is happening? Why do you think the landlord would say they're doing this to try to get information? And then um, after I have some information, then I'm going to say, okay, well, this is what our office is here for. Okay. We accept complaints um, that allege discrimination in housing, employment, and public accommodations. And then I say, if you believe that you've been discriminated against um, in one of those areas, which whatever they're calling about, you know, based on, and then I'll go through the protected classes, you know, then that's something that, that I could possibly accept your complaint and do an investigation on. And usually at that point, the person's either like, oh, no, that's not what this is, or they're saying, okay, and then we talk a little bit more about it and try to find out some more information. So really, it's not necessarily something that I decide for them, but once I explain to them, well, this is what we're you know, this is what we do, then a lot of times they'll give me the answer back and say, oh, no, it doesn't have anything to do with that. It's just, a, you know, it's a, my landlord tenant issue or whatever. I wanted to check out at six o'clock and they won't let me, you know, so um, we, we try to put the information, give them the opportunity to give us the information and not provide the information to them, because I think that's when you start limiting people. Um, so that's kind of our procedure and our practice. And I think it's good to kind of leave it open-ended and, and, you know, let them understand what we're here for and see if they think that it, if they're in the right place. This is Commissioner Barnett. Thank you so much. And as I'm just, this is Commissioner Emerson. So as I'm just kind of looking at time, 645, um, uh, I have two um, final questions is, you know, where can we learn more information about this process? Um, and as we are thinking about, you know, the work before the commission, um, is there anything about this process that you, you would adjust or change from your per professional perspective? This Elizabeth Hifoka again. You're saying, where can we learn more about this process? Is that? Okay. 
Um, well, I think that chapter 10 um, is a good place to start because it sort of talks about um, going through the procedure from the filing of the complaint all the way through to the resolution. So that would give us uh, sort of some basic information about um, time limitations, rules, uh, what the purpose is, um, sort of the steps of the investigation. Um, certainly, I'm always willing to provide information that I have. Um, and is there anything about this that I would change? I would say that it, looking at changes, you know, that should be a discussion with um, a, a lot of uh, a lot of the the stakeholders and and the um, parties that um, you know are, are working together to try to provide this resource uh, and wouldn't just come from me. Okay, this is Commissioner Sellers. Commissioners, do we have any other questions for Ms. Afoka? All right, hearing none, Ms. Afoka, we appreciate you again for bringing the report to us. And um, what I'm hoping is what will be a teaser to our discussion later on um, in the meeting. Um, I think uh, Commissioner Emerson alluded to um, some pieces that will that I hope um, will be part of some of the future work that our subcommittees will do. So um, more to come. So again, thank you. Thank you for, for entertaining us this evening with the report and with our questions as our commission um, continues to evolve and learn more about our involvement with the Human Relations Commission and the work of civ civ uh, civil rights here in the city. So thank you. Um, under part under agenda item B, number two, we have Human Relations Commission budget summary and update for 2021-22. So I'm going to turn everyone's attention either to Dr. Mohammed or Casey. Thank you, Com uh, Chair Sellers. It's Casey Toomey. I'm an assistant city manager here with the city and I'll be uh, providing this update. So I'm gonna attempt to share my screen. And I'm on my surface at home, so hopefully it works the same as when I'm on my computer at work. All right, can everybody see that? Great. So um, a question was raised, I think, by Commissioner Emerson about the budget at a previous meeting. Um, and so I wanted to just bring you a little bit of information. I did visit with um, Tony Wheeler, who's the director of the Human Relations Division, and uh, we kind of put some notes together. So I'm just going to uh, walk you through real quick. Um, there's a number of different funding sources. Uh, the ones we're going to talk about here tonight are uh, the HUD grant. Um, the city did receive $18,800 in uh, 2021, um, and that HUD grant goes, uh, as it says here, towards recovering the costs associated with the investigation, conciliation, and concluding cases um, that Ms. Hafoka talked about in her uh, report. Um, that grant also pays for a portion of our investigator's salary, uh, training, um, and then some community outreach and efforts. Um, then in addition to that HUD grant, the city has some local dollars that uh, we have that are um, specifically dedicated to human relations. And uh, that's what this chart up here at the top shows. Um, in our 2021 budget, 
there was $10,000 um, set aside for this function. And you can see kind of here a, a brief breakdown of the different categories of those expenses. Uh, you'll then also see on this chart our 2022 budget request. Um, we're in the middle of uh, presenting our budgets. Last week, we went, sat down and went through all of the department budget submittals uh, and requests. And so uh, you'll see here an increase of $5,000 that was specifically requested uh, to um, give some additional resources uh, in this area for outreach, um, any training that uh, you or any other staff um, may be interested in. So did uh, the city's budget calendar is such that we spend the summer going through the budget and um, we have a state deadline of August 25th to have our budget adopted for the next calendar year. So we'll be talking a lot more about uh, the budget through the summer, um, but this is the status of, uh, of what we have requested for the year. So um, not sure where it'll end up, but um, this is where the request stands at this point. So in addition to those two items, oh, looked like somebody maybe have a question. Maybe I'll pause there for a sec. Nope. Okay. Hey, Casey, this is oh, Commissioner yes. Sellers. Yes, ma'am. Just real, real quick, and I, and you can push it to the later on if there's something else. I was going to ask a quick question. In the past, has the city any HUD dollars that, of the HUD dollars that were received and portions that were earmarked for community outreach activities in the past has the city matched those dollars or is it that it was just earmarked portions of HUD dollars were earmarked for that and that was it um this is Casey Toomey assistant city manager I um I might have to defer that question. I don't know that it's a dollar for dollar match per se, but HUD does ask that the city put forth resources of our own towards fair housing. So that's what these dollars that, that I'm showing you represent. Um, in addition, then obviously, um, Director Wheeler, um, she has a, a support person in her office, uh, Scott Wagner, um, work that those folks do also help support uh, human relations. Um, we just don't have those dollars in this set aside account. Is that answering your question, Commissioner? This is Commissioner Sellers. Yes, I mean, I, I think more I was curious to know about the matching part and what okay. that looks like, but I mean, Globally, I understand the bigger picture, but I was more lasering on if there was a match component and if that and what it was, if you knew it. This is Casey Toomey, um, city assistant city manager. I don't know that off the top of my head, and I should. I will um, get an answer for you all, though, from Tony. Unless I don't know if Elizabeth knows that off the top of her head. I can't see her on my screen anymore. Uh, this commissioner, Stephen. Yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt. Can I can I ask you a question? Sure. Um, I was just wondering how the 2021 budget compares to the 2020 budget, like whether we received more or less. Um, as far as the city dollars or the HUD dollars. This is Commissioner Stevens. Yep, that's a good question. Um, uh, the HUD dollars, and I guess I would like to know both if that if that. Uh, this is Casey Toomey, Assistant City Manager. Um, 
I should have pulled those 2020 numbers. Um, so I don't have those here in front of me uh, to, to be able to make that comparison. I do know that in 2020, um, in addition to um, the, the HUD grant and um, the local dollars that we've talked about, there was also here this last item, this last paragraph, an additional $4,500 uh, that um, was to help provide uh, assist with the Festival of Cultures. Um, so those dollars were also available in 2020. Um, those dollars are still available. Obviously with the pandemic, uh, the Festival of Cultures wasn't able to happen. And so staff did notify HUD and, and um, HUD's given us an opportunity to uh, find other ways to use those dollars. So those are available still if, um, as we hopefully are recovering um, and may, able, may be able to start having events again, if the Festival of Cultures is something um, that you all would be interested in picking back up, um, that's an option. Or if there are other activities related to outreach that might um, might be similar uh, that the commission would be interested in. Um, it says here that Dr. Muhammad and, and um, I know uh, Director Wheeler can get together with HUD and make sure that those grant funds would be appropriate to cover that project. So sorry, Commissioner Stevens, I'm not directly answering your question, but I will definitely, um, I can get those numbers and provide those in a follow-up to you all. This is Commissioner Stevens. Thank you. Not, I was just curious. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, this is uh, Commissioner Emerson. Um, Casey, I had um, uh, some questions here just before we continue going. Um, one, um, one of the questions is, does this, does this budget include uh, additional appropriations that might be coming, that uh, were said to be coming from, down from HUD um, on the federal level, or are we still waiting for those appropriations to, to be um, uh, shifted out to the states and of course the cities? Casey Toomey, Assistant City Manager. So speaking specifically about um, recovery funds, um, if I'm understanding your question, the, obviously, no, those are not reflected in here. Um, we, we are, uh, I just had a, a meeting with our finance director today about getting all of um, the the hoops that he had to jump through to get our banking ready to receive the federal dollars. So hopefully they'll show up um, here soon, but uh, we are still kind of going through. He had a 150 page guide to go through that he got uh, just today to look at all the different uh, ways that we can use those funds. So those are conversations that we're having. Uh, the good news is for most of those dollars, they have a little bit longer of a time frame. Um, so we have a three-year window, I think, to spend those dollars, um, which is uh, different than some of our, our um, COVID um, response dollars that we've seen so far. So hopefully, again, I'm getting at your question. If not, let me know. Uh, this is Commissioner Emerson. Yes, that you definitely got at the question and, you know, just thinking about planning um, and then being able to, uh, when it comes to one, you know, when would it be best to look at having another budget update? And then two, you know, when we're thinking about planning and, and what um, as uh, commissioners we could do to support the work. Um, I think about, you know, those uh, guidelines on the allocations um, and, and how we spend those funds. So um, if, possible i was hoping that maybe you can like you know drop a link or um i don't know how or just 
provide a reference of where we might be able to, I mean, who has time to read a 150 page document? <laughs> um, uh, but it's there and it's public information. And so it, if we want to read it to learn more information, I always think it's good to have more information than not have enough. Thank you. This is Casey Toomey, Assistant City Manager. Uh, that kind of wraps up the end. And um, Commissioner Emerson, yes, I'll see if I can find some um, maybe executive summaries <laughs> that I could share with you all. Um, I will say that I think the city as a whole is still trying to figure out how we're going to account for those um, grant dollars in our budget, kind of for the city as a whole. Uh, not necessarily that we'll know how to allocate dollar, you know, every single dollar, but at least maybe identify some some different pots or different programs um, that that we know are out there. Um, but yes, when I I have that information, I'll be sure and provide that. So um, I'll stop right there, and unless anybody else has any other questions. Yeah, this is Commissioner Sellers. Thank you again, Casey, for that overview of the budget and. Looks like we got a couple of action items for you um, to share with the commissioners. Real quick, you touched on the 4,500 um, that we weren't able to utilize this past year and what HUD has uh, allowed us to do to roll that over. Is this a deadline as far as we have until the next fiscal year to, to utilize these funds or is it by federal fiscal year? So what's our timeline as far as being able to utilize those dollars? This is Casey Toomey, Assistant City Manager. And again, um, all good questions that I should have thought to ask Tony. Um, but uh, since she didn't provide me with a deadline, um, I'm, I, my assumption is that HUD knows that we have the dollars and um, are, are, they're ours to spend. So um, obviously we, we would not want to not spend them for a long time, but um, I don't think that we're, they're not going to go away here in the next year if we don't spend them. This is Commissioner Sellers. Thank you, Casey. I figured you wouldn't know specific, but I just to put a little bug, if we, if we can get that, that would yep. I definitely believe that information would be helpful to some of the groups here. Commissioners, do we have any other questions for Ms. Toomey? in regards to the budget or any action items you'd like for her to handle? Uh, this is Commissioner Emerson. And I just think uh, the only uh, out, um, question that remains is, you know, when uh, when would be a good time to, you know, hear uh, about budget updates again? You know, would it be in a couple months, three months? And because I just think that, you know, since there, there are things working um, and we don't know when those things will, be confirmed, um, kind of having a, a pulse on it is, is a good idea. This is Casey Toomey, Assistant City Manager. Um, I might suggest that um, we make kind of a budget update a part of um, maybe your agenda going forward um, as you talk with your subcommittees and that work. If you're going to, you know, I don't know when you're, if the plan is to still meet every month or go back to quarterly or what, but um, I think um, between myself and uh, Dr. Muhammad, we could provide you with a little, um, just even if it's just a quick update. At, um, at each meeting kind of of the city budget and kind of that bigger picture of um, any any bigger news that we know about recovery funds. Would that be helpful? 
uh, this is Commissioner Emerson. I was like, I, I have one one commissioner. Uh, I personally think it would be very helpful. So. All right, commissioners, are there any more questions for Ms. Toomey? All right, hearing none, we're gonna go on, go over to action item number three, consideration of establishing membership on and finalizing our objectives for our subcommittee, subcommittee work. So um, commissioners, there was an agenda item report that highlighted our discussion from last month's meeting. Um, for those who need a quick recap, we discussed the proposed idea for um, breaking our uh, commission down into three subgroups to spread work, or not work, uh, at least work, into three concentrated areas um, in regards to um, reviewing uh, Chapter 10 ordinance, looking at program development, as well as cross-cutting work, um, those three subcommittees were something that was brainchild that was um, was a brainchild of mine based on the conversations we had in regards to some of the crosswalk work or just brainstorming work I wanted commissioners to do of how we can align the mission the mission and goals of the Human Relations Commission with that of the um, strategic plan of the city. And so I know there's been a couple of commissioners who provided some additional context um, and thoughts uh, to me and uh, was not able to get those notes out before the meeting, but we would definitely have those uh, notes um, compiled together to share uh, with our subgroups when we um, begin our subgroup work. But I wanted to spend this time, um, a, a good portion of the time, just going over some notes that I put together, I know that several commissioners were unsure in regards to direction and path on how to handle subgroup work. So I wanted to be able to put uh, a presentation together to share um, with the commissioners, at least what I envision the, not necessarily what the work would look like, but to guide and to provide tools and directions on how to, um, how to pull information in order to um, guide the work that we would like our subgroups to do. So I did uh, put together a PowerPoint presentation and I'll share my screen here uh, real quick. And all of the information I share this evening, I will make sure that um, Dr. Muhammad and Casey are able to get that to everyone. So just a second. All right. Is everyone able to see the screen? I'll take a head nod or a thumbs up. Lovely. All right, everyone. So again, this is a short PowerPoint with a short agenda so that we have plenty of time for some fruitful and hearty discussion afterwards that will guide our next steps. So we're gonna spend a little time going over what I believe will be the starting process for this work and then actually looking at what working group time um, should look like. And I've provided a, a, a tool that our groups can use um, to for that guided discussion and, and working process. So um, 
I base this off of, you know, imitation is the best form of flattery. And there's a lot of good state work that's going on out there. And there's several groups that I've been a part of um, in regards to systems uh, building and um, systems improvement. And so I, I took this um, um, framework from one of the groups that I'm working on because I felt like it really aligned with what we are trying to accomplish um, as commissioners, um, um, human right, human relations commission, our commissioners of this group. So um, I can't take any credit for this, but I do give credit to um, our statewide system improvement team that I based um, modified this information from. So again, looking at our working groups, high level, um, we have our chapter 10 assess, uh, chapter 10 subgroup, which is looking at assessing the ordinance, doing some analysis. Um, when it comes to our program development group, this is our group that's looking at education, advocacy, and engagement. And then our cross-cutting work group, which is looking at boards and commissions in alignment with best practices. And so these are the centering effects of the, the centering values of what each working group will be accomplishing. I do appreciate um, Casey um, being able to flush a little bit of that out in um, the report that's attached to this agenda. And so for those commissioners who were not at the last meeting and have not seen the recording, um, the notes, um, that agenda note is very helpful. Um, and so um, if you have any questions as we move through this uh, presentation, um, save them and, and so that we can ensure that everyone is on some equitable field um, level here as far as um, knowledge of information and at least um, expectations moving forward. So in regards to starting the process, what I would, the idea is that once each subcommittee gets into their respective um, group, is that you would spend some time defining the what and why of your group. So we've all received our descriptions of what we're going to go at, what we plan to go after, what we plan to accomplish, but I want the groups to spend some time going over the what and why. So in regards to, if we look at our chapter 10 ordinance, what is it about the chapter 10 ordinance that you want to do an analysis of and why is that important? We've heard some of those questions um, bubble up this evening and they've bubbled up um, in several meetings since I've joined the commission. And so this gives our subcommittee um, that intentional time to really sit and have those um, rich, robust conversations about what, the, what this work could look like. Um, I want you to discuss who may be missing from the conversation. I know in our, um, in our meeting uh, last month, you know, we talked about um, public input and, 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 you know, having say from the public and what that looks like. And I think I want us to ensure that we have that, but also think about what are some additional unusual voices that are missing from the conversation. And those can be content experts, subject matter experts. Um, we've talked a little bit about HUD. We've talked a little bit about the Kansas Human Rights Commission. Are these individuals that could have the opportunity to do some um, subject matter uh, learning um, just with you all as commissioners? Um, to help provide you with additional information and context to feel better equipped and knowledgeable as a commissioner of human of the Human Relations Commission to process through this work. So when I say the who, it's not always who should be a part of the decision making, but who should be a part of giving us as commissioners some additional content 
um, matter um, material. It could be Dr. Muhammad. It could be Casey. It could be Scott. It could be Ms. Hafoka. It could be Ms. Garcia. There are several individuals within the city um, who interact and connect with the work that, that align and connect with the work that we do as commissioners. This is your opportunity to have the audience of those individuals and ask them those difficult questions or ask them those insightful questions that you've wanted to ask, maybe didn't think you could ask. This gives you an audience and an opportunity to do that and be intentional and authentic about it. Identify related efforts and how to coordinate and share information. Um, again, this is just going through the, the talk process. Is there related efforts? This can be done as simple as, um, you know, this is getting more into the, the work that you're doing in the group, crosswalk work. Great example of that. I've shared crosswalks. Miss um, Afoka did a wonderful job in our last meeting where she did a crosswalk of best practices of similar entities as ours and how they handle their conflict of interest. That is work that I would like to see our commissioners doing to ensure that we know what's out there. We can make those connections to the work we're doing and ask questions, clarifying questions if we need to, to better equip ourselves to do this work. This is, a, this is your opportunity to find the tools, to sharpen your tools so that as things progress, as we are the commission, Civil Rights Commission of the city, we can act accordingly or be able to have the tools at hand to, to do that work. Determining what information is needed between meetings. Um, so if there's things that we're missing out on, like again, having a conversation. Um, what are you missing? Those are your opportunities in your subgroups to have those conversations and say, hey, you know, like uh, Commissioner Emerson said, you know, it, it would be behoove us since we're in the budget season of the city that we have budget updates from the city commission. These are things that could come bubble up during our commissioner meetings, but they'll more than likely also bubble up during our, our subcommittee meetings as well. The idea is that what this work, the, the tasks and expectations of this work should yield an outcome of that our groups are developing recommendations, one, to present to the city commission and or recommendations for the best pathway forward for our human relations commission as a whole. We've gone back and forth about different things since I've come on the commission in regards to processes, individuals and um, understanding points of contact, um, interpretations of chapter 10. It could be how we utilize funding for programs. It could be, um, let's say it's a lot of things. It's whatever the outcomes are, the goal is for us to start that subgroup work now and to hopefully have some type of ongoing process that we are being intentional and mindful that we are empowered to provide recommendations not internally to ourselves as a commission to better do the work that we're supposed to do as well as to the city commission in that whatever capacity that is. I've heard that from commissioners. I've seen it um, prior to joining the commission, uh, human relations commission. So I would like for us to start to put into, take our words and put it into action, what it is that we would like to see. If it's making a recommendation on legislation to follow, what does that look like? How, what does that process look like for us? 
let's see it. Let's make sure that we're doing it. Maybe there's a mechanism in place for us to sit down and review that. Um, so the dates I have in here are August and um, EOY end of the year is when they're not necessarily the deadlines that this work is done and we're over. It's just that initial, that preliminary um, deadline. The idea is that we should constantly as a commission be engaging our city commissioners um, with recommendations um, or things of that nature. If, if that is what we are to, you know, things that we should be doing um, and we should be emboldened and encouraged to do that. Um, and then we should also be challenging ourselves and our practices as well. So the outcomes of this work, I'd like for us, this is more of us exploring ourselves, exploring our content knowledge, ensuring that we are um, gaining information from um, outside that aligns with the work that we do to be able to fully uh, understand the work specific to the subgroups that we're working on, whether it's Chapter 10 programming or outreach, report that information back out, and also provide recommendations in that case. So again, working group expectations and tasks to attend the monthly meetings and actively participate in discussion. You know, many hands make for light work. We cannot do this work um, unless all commissioners are participating. I understand that things get busy. Um, uh, and I know that oftentimes, you know, we do pack a lot into our two-hour meetings once a month um, before the Human Relations Commission met quarterly. So if we're meeting monthly or if that's going to be what this group aspires to do, um, then it's really going to take us being active participants um, in discussion and in action items and, and ensuring that the work is um, that the work collectively is equitably being um, spread across um, each individual, each commissioner, and each subgroup. Um, evaluate progress on a quarterly basis to determine next steps, and then new groups develop as needed. So I'd like for there to be some type of mechanism so that we can do report outs um, and maybe have quarterly progress reports. I don't know. These are just things that I'm popcorning out to the commission and we can definitely discuss this. Um, but then also opportunity for new groups developed as needed. And I wanted to put an asterisk by that. You know, when we decided to go to the three subgroups, there was a mechanism in place for us to dissolve, to dissolve previous subcommittee work. And so I don't want I not say I did. I don't because it's not about me. You know, the more groups that we have, um, that does spread commissioners across. Um, but if we don't feel like the tasks that are at hand can be uh, accomplished within the three groups subgroups that we have outlined, then there's definitely. I definitely feel like we need to have discussion about that, and develop and, and talk about those groups as needed. So in regards to the developing ideas as we meet in our groups, um, we need to tie our ideas and gaps specifically to the, uh, to the strategic plan and any other reference documents. Um, and that work rings true for, you know, for, every, for each of the subgroups. In developing our recommendations, we wanna make sure that we're addressing gaps and challenges that can broadly exist. So what are some things that, of course, you know, catching those low hanging fruit 
but let's also look at some gaps and challenges being forward thinking and innovative and what are some things that could be up on the horizon that we can address now and what information do we need at what information does that does your committee need to be more equipped to answer those questions and to possibly pose uh, recommendations or opportunities. Again, what expertise do you have in, in your group? Take the temperature of your group and realize the strengths that are there. And then what information or other voices do you need to develop a recommendation? And we talked about that in the previous slides. Again, who's missing from the conversation? Do you need to have you know, Dr. Muhammad sit down with your group? I would encourage that for every subgroup. So you can have that one-on-one -on -one time to get a better understanding of um, his role and his capacity. Having that conversation with Casey um, as an entity, another entity of the city of the uh, city manager's office. What are the individuals? What are the voices that you need to help you guide guide yourself and guide the teams, uh, guide the process for your team? And so again. So we want to be able to start each um, of our commission meetings with a progress update from the subcommittees. Um, and that's if you're ready to make recommendations. Um, if subcommittees are ready to make recommendations, then we would take those to the, to the collective body and um, vote on those or have discussion and vote on those as need be. But again, the expectation is that as we are meeting, um, have whatever that looks like, that subcommittee groups would pro um, provide updates um, during each meeting. So then lastly, the guiding measures for um, to be used during our next upcoming meetings. So the idea is that the groups will need to meet, address to complete their uh, scope and goals. Um, I'll go over the ideas template for the groups to use in that first meeting. The idea is that this work would continue for June and July. And again, this is what I'm proposing. So the commission as a whole would not meet for June or July. There would be opportunities for subcommittees to meet. And then we would do a report back in August and determine next steps as such. So I'm going to stop sharing real quick. And before I move over to the template document, I'm gonna let everyone's head kind of process. There's a lot of information. I do recognize that. And see if there's any commissioners that have any questions about what was just presented. I know silence can be golden, but I know, I know we have questions. This is Commissioner Bloxham. Commissioner Sellers, thank you. I just, I can't thank you enough for the work that you've put into this to give us guidance to move forward. It was much needed and it's much appreciated. So I, I don't have a question, but I have a couple follow-up comments. Um, I think that the subcommittee, the subcommittees was an excellent idea. In my experience with subcommittees is they don't replace committee meetings. And so in addition to the work that we're doing, I think it's absolutely important just knowing what my how my scope is, just understanding why this commission was developed and what it's moved from to what it's moved to. 
I would suggest, this is a suggestion, that we continue to receive reports monthly from the city prosecutor's office and the people that oversee the complaints that are given. I think that it has helped us develop this plan going forward in place and knowing where gaps are and, and how we're going to, how we're going to um, proceed in the future. So that would be a suggestion and a modification to the plan that you presented. The second thing I would, I, the second, the second thing I would like to say is that in the past subcommittees has had done work again, not in, um, not leaving this body behind, but perhaps making sure that we, and it, it's talking about accountability to the public. I'm not even talking about accountability as adults and professionals, which we all are. But having a time that monthly, we're receiving those reports, monthly, we are able to give updates of human relate or human or the, the commission's work that meets on a, a weekly basis that those bodies start the job now. So they're giving us updates, right? Like the, the commission that's overseeing that crosswalk work that you're talking about that is so vital and important that they have a thumb on the heartbeat of what's happening and what is expected of us. So all I would suggest is that we keep those meetings very brief, perhaps break out to our subcommittees in that meeting for my purpose personally, it's for scheduling. Um, we're all very busy. So I would suggest we keep that this time allotted to this commission, that we meet briefly to receive updates from each commission or like each subgroup um, and then and do breakout sessions. And how long we need to last in those, then we can be adults in that. But then we're also... Um, receiving um, public updates, what's happening. We get a more pulse because in two months, lots of things can happen. We've all witnessed that. And I don't want us to be put in a situation that we're meeting in an emergency situation to answer things that are so big that without works that you've done, Commissioner Sellers, we'd be buried in. So I just, I really appreciate you. I suggest that we consider continuing to meet monthly to receive reports from our prosecuting attorney, that we receive reports from each commission and, and allow the public to hold us accountable for the work they've charged us to do. And those are my only comments. And again, Commissioner Sellers, upstanding job. I can't appreciate you more. This is Commissioner Barnett. Um, I do have a quick question. First, obviously, this is amazing. Refocusing our um, purpose is something that's been incredibly difficult to do, especially during the pandemic. Um, and having these Zoom meetings, I, I think that our meetings were so fast and productive, um, even though they were quarterly before. And so, um, so thank you so much for doing this and laying it all out there. Um, my question though is, um, are we able to meet in person, um, if we are wearing our masks or whatever, I just, am. I'm wondering because 
again, my experience over the last several years, I think it's been five, four years, five years that I've been on the commission. Um, we seem to be, uh, we things seem to move along quickly um, and we are able to accomplish tasks and take votes and things are, things just move faster. So if we're going to talk about meeting monthly, I would just ask, can we meet in person to make those meetings a little, you know, not as long um, as they are now? And I think a lot of that does come from the kind of, uh, I guess, bureaucracy of a Zoom meeting, um, you know, all of the formalities. Um, so can we meet in person? Is that something we can do yet, Casey, Dr. Muhammad? This is Casey Toomey, Assistant City Manager. Um, we are working on our reopening plan right now. And um, so far, our challenge has been um, meeting, having a room large enough to have folks spread out. So even with masks being spread out, um, that can be on TV. So the room where uh, Dr. Muhammad is sitting is, is um, the main room for that. And um, having you all in person, but still have the option for people to view it is still a challenge. So um, we have folks working on it. Um, the audio is especially challenging too. When everyone's on Zoom, it's one thing. When you have half people on Zoom and half people in person, um, the audio doesn't work quite as well. So um, we're working through that. July right now is our target date um, that we're that we're looking at. But you are not the only advisory board who's ready to start meeting again in person. Or we have several members of the city commission who have you know, been asking questions about that too. So um, I think that, um, you know, the subcommittees, I, I appreciated the suggestion of having breakout sessions. I think the subcommittees might lend themselves to, to that. Um, those are, are um, you know, you're certainly welcome to have them be open to the public. You don't have to have those be open to the public. Um, you could, with three people, um, it's a smaller group to get together. You might be able to find a room where you can spread out and have those meetings um, socially distance and wearing masks um, in person. So um, I don't know if I'm getting at your question, but I'll stop right there. This is Commissioner Barnett. Yes, you are. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Um, I do have to run, um, but I just, uh, I am interested in at least meeting with the subcommittees, as Commissioner Sellers said, in June and July to kind of wrap our heads around what we are tasked to do and then reporting back to the entire commission at least by August, if not sooner. Um, again, Chair Sellers, thank you so much for your work. This is amazing and I am very excited to get started. Thank you. Well, thank you, Commissioner Barnett. I really appreciate that. Thank you, Casey. And as well, thank you, Commissioner Bluxham, for, for sharing those comments. I, when I gave the recommendations in regards to how to meet, that was just me, again, popcorning something out um, because I wanted to be able to elicit some conversation amongst the commissioners of what this could look like. Um, also, while being able to ask the questions, uh, logistical questions um, for this, we do, 
you know, with a reopening plan and meeting in person, of course, that would definitely look different than virtually. Um, I do like the idea of having an abbreviated um, meeting and then uh, spending the other time, um, whether it's an hour or hour and a half within our two hour block, going into our breakout sessions, whether that's in person or virtually. Um, I like that idea. Um, but I wanted to be able to hear from other commissioners to get their thoughts. Um, Cause again, this is, this is our commission. This is not my commission. Um, I like the idea of personally, I like the idea of the, maybe the initial uh, subcommittee group work, not necessarily being public. Um, and again, I don't want to speak for other commissioners, but I want us to be able to build that, that relationship and be able to maybe work through some possible vulnerabilities um, as far as information and subject matter knowledge. Um, you know, it's some people are more comfortable working through um, knowledge and vulnerabilities, public facing, some are not. And I wanna be able to be, I wanna be respectful of that. So maybe if we, we can reevaluate that in August or September, um, but I, I think if those are the first initial meetings with the subgroups, that's relationship building, um, establishing rules of engagement, and then building out the work based on those parameters and, and going there. But as far as if we want to keep our, our monthly meetings, but again, like you stated, Commissioner Bluxom, doing that abbreviated that we get those reports, budget updates, um, you know, public comments, um, if we have any. Um, public comments and then shifting into um, small group work during that time, I think would be advantageous as well. But again, I want to be, I want to ensure that, you know, all, you know I want to hear from all commissioners as far as what they envision and what they're looking like. Uh, this is uh, Commissioner Emerson and I like, I have moments and I'm like, wow, um, you blow me away, um, Chair Sellers. Um, and I, I just think about how, um, first of all, how much time you must, must have put it into the presentation and it just really kind of hit home to a lot of the things coming into the commission that I was like, oh man, I, I really feel like we should do some of this. So I really want to first say thank you and uh, just know that you're awesome. And just call it out. Um, and uh, for uh, Commissioner Bloxham, I wanted to say that your ideal is so brilliant because um, I, I was sitting here and I was just like, okay, there's three people um, in a subcommittee, but what if I'm the only one that shows up to a meeting, you know, and then I'm just like, it's just me. And then the work is not getting done. But one of the things I think about, well, we already have the standing meeting on our calendars, you know? Um, and so we're not having to spend time trying to recreate the will, trying to figure out where we're gonna meet going into the summer. Um, and we're able to, you know, still get those regular impulse and uh, not impulse, regular reports and um, be able to be more responsive to what's kind of going on in our community. Um, I think it's really good. Uh, so I just wanted to, note that yes I think that's great and I like the abbreviated ideal and being able to um, kind of uh, do some breakout rounds um, and, and again if we don't we just don't have to fuss with schedules because the schedules is already made so that's what I have to say thank you
This is Commissioner Sellers. Thank you, Commissioner Emerson, for adding that. So are we, of, of the five, one, two, three, four, I had to make sure there was five oil. Not really five of us anymore. There, well, <laughs> now there's five. Uh, so Casey, for guidance, I, I mean, this, these were just expectations and tasks. We don't necessarily need to vote on anything per se, or do we need to vote on the, I mean, there's not, I'm like trying to process through this as I ask you with a side eye, like, oh, do we need to vote on anything or not? Oh. This is Commissioner Emerson. I was like, we didn't hear from Commissioner Stevens. This is Commissioner Stevens. Um, I mean, if I'm being honest, the way that my brain works, I'm just kind of overwhelmed by all this stuff, but um, I'm on board with what the commission wants to do. Um, it's just a lot, it's a lot for my brain to take in and starting things is really difficult for me to conceptualize until we're doing them. So I'm all for having direction. I'm all for doing things that actually impacts the city um, and the people that act, that live in it and require services from it um, uh, with equity, equitable services. Um, and so, yeah, uh, chair sellers, like, you know, you're, you're the one um, and I appreciate you doing uh, all this work because there's no way I could have conceptualized this stuff. So I really appreciate you. Well, thank you, Commissioner Stevens. Like I said, imitation is the, imitation and duplication is the best form of flattery. And I think when you spend enough time on statewide projects and even local projects, you know, if we're supposed to be doing the work, integrate, you know, integrate the work and doing the work seamlessly as a system, it kind of helps to use the same tools that we're, we're using in those, those, um, in those, those ecosystems. So I am just moving tools over from one ecosystem to another with the hopes of, of ensuring that we're all using similar language and using similar language and, 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 and kind of having some similar thought processes. So um, I completely understand feeling overwhelmed. Um, there's days that I'm like that, dealing with, with state work. So I, 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 I empathize. Real quick, um, I wanted to show the tool to everyone so that you can see at least, see what I discussed us utilizing. So when we, when we start our group work, um, and I'll leave it up to the groups, you know, when to start and to, and Dr. Muhammad and Casey, I would look to your guidance and I'd like to hear from the commissioners as far as um, what that looks like reaching out and, and how, who wants to take the lead on, on that because we will need to address that for each group. Um, but you can, I put the template here, it has each group. You're not doing the template for other subgroups that you're not a part of. Um, so this is, I will update this um, to reflect um, to reflect for each subgroup. But in those first few, in that first meeting, uh, I want you to be able to utilize this first document to help synthesize information and to see where everyone is at. And so just using this as a guide. Um, so, you know, when you use the recipe and you follow the recipe, you know, you usually get chocolate chip cookies. You shouldn't have a chocolate chip cookie recipe and follow it and get peanut butter cookies. So as long as you follow the recipe, you should be good. 
Um, so giving yourself time, giving a group time to go over these questions. What is the focus of this group and why? And how does the focus area impact other issues? Um, so going through that and being able to have the discussion, and this is in particular to, um, okay, thank you, Casey. I'm just now seeing your, your comment. Um, second, who else should be part of the conversation? So again, we talked about, is there subject matter experts that you need to help provide you with some clarity, uh, you know, whether it's having, Tony Wheeler come and talk for this chapter 10 group, have Tony Wheeler come and discuss ordinance chapter 10, you know, having someone else come and discuss chapter 10. We talked about programs, maybe looking, having a conversation with a neighboring communities, someone, a commissioner from that human relations commission, Topeka, to see what they're doing with their programs, things of that nature. So who else is, who else should be part of the conversation? This could be as far as how do you capture information and synthesize it. This could be as far as the work that you're doing moving forward, public facing, um, public input as well. What related efforts should be uh, should help inform the work? So where are there opportunities for coordination of information sharing? So again, can you place on the Google Doc for us to work on in-between meetings? I just saw your, yes. So to answer your question, this is Commissioner Sellers. To answer your question, uh, Commissioner Emerson, yes, you can do Google Doc. That would be some, a discussion to have with the subgroups if it is able to create uh, a point of access uh, for everyone. So I can share this and then committees could create their own, you know, Google Doc to work through this. So I'm just sending it. This will be a template that you can share and you can build it out how you want to, utilizing these elements. Um, what additional information is needed? So as you synthesize through this, as you work the process through this with um, other commissioners, are there things that weren't answered in the three previous questions? And those are things that you're, you're charting and identifying. And then what other considerations are there? So the idea is to get everyone to have the committees create some document of what, what information that you're needing to process through. And once you've processed through that information, then the idea is to create your ideas and next steps. So as you process through all of that and you've done your think tank, you've done a couple of meetings of group think, or maybe you spent that first meeting group think, the second meeting, you can start in this process, or maybe you need that second meeting to spend time to talk to different individuals. So the idea is that there are no time. I don't wanna put deadlines for this work because I want the work to be done organically. I don't want people to feel rushed um, to produce something if you're not ready to produce something. But I wanna ensure that there is intentionality and there's that commissioners are getting, finding value in the work and in the process. So once you've been able to go through your, synthesize your thoughts, have those conversations, this is where you can use this as an example to chart out your ideas. So ideas, place them, how do they connect to city government? How do they connect to the citizens of Lawrence? What is the best pathway for development? And as you work through that, 
Does that information help you come up with a recommendation for the Human Relations Commission or recommendations for City Commission? So again, this is just a framework that you can use to process through. Um, it has helped me, but again, feel free to modify, retool this as best way for your group and your learning style and your information gathering style. But I wanted to share this with everyone just so you had something to base your group discussions around with the intent of ensuring that as you go through this process, you're thinking about those entities that that touch the work that you're focusing on in regards to city government, the citizens, best pathways, and then how to create your recommendations from that. So again, I will share this document. Um, I will get this to Casey to be able to share out to everyone. Um, and again, utilize it, modify it to best fit the needs of your group. Does anybody have any questions about the template? All right. So yeah, Casey, I'm going back and reading your note. Yeah. This is Casey Toomey, Assistant City Manager. I will confess I really meant that for, for Dr. Muhammad, but uh, I, I, can't I, use Zoom. <laughs> I will share that my concern was if we're struggling to maintain a quorum at this meeting, my concern was breaking up into subcommittees might, might pose a challenge. So, um, but I think, you know, the idea of, of meeting in a group and then breaking out into breakout sessions. I think uh, Commissioner Emerson said, you know, if she's the only one that shows up for that subcommittee, then maybe you go to a different one for that day or something. Yeah. Anyway, I'll let you all work. Figure it out. This is Commissioner Bloxham. Didn't we establish in the last meeting that this is what, this is the format that we were going to take and is necessary action needed in this body right now? So it sounds like this is Commissioner Sellers based on Casey's nod and so now. Again, Casey Toomey, Assistant City Manager. Again, my comment wasn't necessarily about this meeting. It was that I feel like last meeting and this meeting both, we were iffy if we were going to have a quorum. And if that's the trend, I guess I just, that was just a concern. Uh, this is Commissioner Emerson. One of the things I was curious about is like, um, uh, we always seem to have, you know, more people at the beginning, but then as we kind of get later, uh, people fall off. And so I'm kind of wondering if, if there's like a, an injustice stop time that we would consider or like a time, a better time and where we would do votes. So I just, I don't, I don't know. But that was my thought It's just, it's actually not a thought. It's just an observation. So, yeah. This is Commissioner Sellers. Uh, Commissioner Emerson, I would say there's a, a couple of variables that may play in the part with that. I know we've had to do a little bit of jumping around as far as our meeting time. And so we've gone to second Mondays, third Wednesdays, fourth Tuesdays, and the dates have, and the times have changed. So we were normally meeting from 5.30 or 5.45 and we pushed it back to 6. So we're starting to encroach into 
maybe family time or personal time and there's hard stops for for individuals. And so, you know, we understand our responsibility to the commission, but we also recognize that, you know, families that have kids or people have other obligations, they have to drop off. Interesting enough, I didn't even notice, I, I kind of noticed, but I just realized that Commissioner Logan dropped off. So um, that's why I was doing, you know, finger math when I was like, wait, where did all our commissioners go? So, yes. Yeah. So I think a lot of that, there's probably several variables to play in that. And I don't know if we can make a, a valuable hypothesis about why that is. So, um, so I guess I have a, I guess a point of information, although it's a request of information. If we were to do the abbreviated meetings, and then uh, this is uh, for either Casey or Dr. Muhammad, if we do the abbreviated meeting and then go into our subgroups, do we need to maintain quorum during subgroup work? Good evening. This is uh, Dr. Muhammad, Director of Equity and Inclusion. Uh, a couple of things. One, just dialing back for a second with uh, Commissioner Lowe. He did make mention in the chat group earlier that he had a prior commitment related to uh, the, the Juneteenth event that he served on another committee for. So he did share that out early before he did uh, exit. Um, as it relates to a subcommittee, it's my understanding based on Open Meetings Act that as long as that subcommittee does not have a quorum, then there is no need for uh, open or a notification to the public, meaning the public does not have to be there. But I guess as long as it's a vote and you properly close out the official meeting where you're conducting actual business, I think going into the uh, subcommittee groups shouldn't be an issue. However, uh, addressing the question that Commissioner Emerson put in the chat group earlier related to a Google Doc, um, sometimes like electronic documents can get a little uh, slippery. So if it's a Google Doc amongst a small group or a committee subgroup, that should be fine, I believe, if it's a, a subcommittee group of three. But I think if it's a Google Doc that's shared amongst the entire commission, then that would be conducting official business, and then that would be Open Meetings Act uh, issue there. This is Commissioner Sellers. Thank you, Dr. Muhammad. And, and I agree, it wouldn't have been something to share with the commission. It would be something that each subcommittee would need to have with, amongst themselves so to ensure that we are, we're not violating um, any open meetings. All right, commissioners. Any other questions in regards to the documents? Again, I know I laid out a lot, but it does sound like moving forward for our June, July, and subsequent meetings that we will do an abbreviated uh, meeting where we get our reports uh, from the city and from Ms. Afoka. Uh, and then we will adjourn and then go into subcommittee meeting work during that, um, during that time. So my charge, for everyone on and off is to, you did receive in a report that Casey had outlines our committee assignments. Uh, please get in contact with your fellow commissioners to start some initial work um, and um, just be able to interact with each other. Um, and, and before we can, before we initially get that uh, work going in June. So, Please reach out to your fellow commissioners and your committee members, and let's let's roll our sleeves up and get to work. All right. Uh, good evening, Chairperson uh, Sellers. This is uh, Dr. Muhammad, Director of Equity and Inclusion. I, I am curious before closing out, did we read some? I know we don't have a quorum currently present, but I'm curious about next steps as far as meeting times and uh, for the subgroup committees as well as the entire commission. 
And I do want to echo the uh, sentiments of the rest of the commission regarding your leadership. I greatly appreciate you being able to display leadership and uh, help this commission gain some momentum moving in the right direction as they all shared. Um, another thing that I am thinking about as relates to the subgroups, I wonder if there is a champion per subgroup. Can that help with the concern surrounding uh, some of the group members not being present for some of those meetings? And of course, you're not able to vote on that tonight as it relates to uh, deputizing or appointing a, uh, a champion person per the subgroups. But it's just a thought I had. And this is Commissioner Sellers. Thank you, Dr. Muhammad, for that. So, what I guess what I'm hearing is we, we've agreed to the layout of the meeting, but do we need to? So, we're going to continue to meet monthly and utilize the, t the time that we have, but if we adjourn early, that would still be opportunity for our, our for the subcommittees to meet. So, then would we need to, I guess the question is, are you thinking about as far as format, would it be subgroups that we adjourn from here and use subgroups within this format, or do we need to do that work outside of the purview of utilizing the Zoom mechanism with the city? I guess I need some guidance for that. I, I, I have in my mind what I think we can do, but I, I may need some guidance on, on that. And, so, Dr. Muhammad, Director of Equity and Inclusion, uh, I, I think there's a couple of different ways you probably can go about approaching it. One way I've seen it work in the past is that when it comes to uh, commission meetings, that the commissioners RSVP to confirm that they will be present at the meeting and that can give insight to the rest of the commissioners. To, so those who are part of a subgroup committee will know if the other people in that committee will be present. So if they'll be able to partake in that and be productive during that time. Uh, I think also there can be an opportunity for some of the subgroup members to meet at a different time if they feel that that date and time is more accommodating to their schedule as a collective or a small group. So I think there's different ways to go about approaching. I guess that would be up to the commission nurse to kind of determine that. Okay. And this is Commissioner Sellers. I, 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 and I think, and I don't want to speak for Commissioner Bluxon, but I think for the sake of scheduling, the idea was that if we could still maintain this second Monday, six o'clock, then commissioners now now moving forward, we're going to immediately go into subgroups after subcommittee work afterwards. And so it'll be imperative for them to ensure that they are SVP um, so that we have a head count. I know the last two months it's been a little bit wonky as far as um, information, as far as registering. So I know this past meeting, you know, we did get the invitation to register separately from those that, who typically get the notifications, like myself, I get the notifications of the commission meeting and I usually register through that notification. So I just didn't know as far as maybe operating procedure, should it be that commissioners need to utilize the announcement that comes from the city to register and then if they don't plan to attend the meeting, then they send notification to you because I know that's typically how I've been getting the notifications from Scott. So then, I, then, so then we're aware of who is going to attend, who will be at the meetings and whatnot. So I guess I'm, I'm talking through while I'm thinking and talking through this and commissioners, please jump in about how 
what this mechanism could potentially look like. So this is Commissioner Bloxham. Thank you for all the dialogue on this. I think it's very important. I think it's the reason why I was pushing for the continuation of monthly meetings, not only from my experience, but just my, my experience on other commissions where subcommittees were formed. I think that this body also holds a responsibility and accountability, not only to each other, but the public. So that's the number one. Number two, if we're having ongoing issues, if we're meeting monthly as a body, then I think that would be the appropriate place at the beginning of the meeting to discuss problems within subcommittees. And I don't mean detailed problems. I mean, uh, membership problems and how that can be adjusted. But I really believe if we come together as a body, we're holding each other the, the public is holding us accountable for meeting. And then it, once we break out into our subcommittees, if this time doesn't work, then we can schedule another time. I mean, that that gives us the freedom as professionals and as adults to do that. But I think we need to hold each other accountable, not feel like we individually within three people are calling or shot calling other people out that we can really proceed with this body to say, look, this person is having membership problems or we need to look at the subcommittee makeup or whatever that reschedule, whatever that may be so that it's not just one or two people doing the great work. So I appreciate you, Dr. Muhammad, for bringing that up. Um, and I think that can be done in our first subcommittee meeting when we know who's showing up to those meetings and then having conversations about how we want to come back to the body and address that membership problem, if there is one, um, and also get the chance to address each other as individuals as well. Uh, this is Commissioner Emerson and um, uh, Commissioner Blossom. I, you are awesome. Uh, I, I, I'm, I am known for giving lots of like affirmation. It's just what I do. So you guys, but you really are. I love it. Um, so I was thinking about um, a couple different things. Um, to your point, uh, Chair Sellers uh, was one, you know, I was thinking about like, okay, if we're emailing notification of hey we're not gonna we're not gonna make it um is uh, i think about like okay so we can't email everybody you know but we can email you know dr muhammad and then maybe our committee members like our two other people and like hey dr muhammad and my two other committee members i won't be there you know and i was just like well that's something and then i think about like how do we check out so if we go into our breakout rooms and we're like, okay, uh, we're going to come together at such and such time. Like when we pop back out, like, I wonder if, if we just like, because if we're all in our different committees, like how do we know that everyone's done to close out the meeting? And so I think about, you know, being able to pop back in and say, Hey, or just having that one person, that champion or whatever you want to call it, um, being able to pop back in and say, we're done or, we rescheduled to this time. So it's just kind of like, so we kind of know the different moving pieces. Um, so that kind of gets to the mechanism uh, question on Chair Sellers. Thank you, Commissioner Sellers. And, and thank you, Commissioner Emerson. I know what we, when we discussed before, I, I think it, it, there's two points here. One, I think if we do the abbreviated meeting and we close out, then 
the check back could just be that point of contact to Dr. Muhammad's point, having that champion for each subcommittee to connect with each each champion or subcommittee coordinator or chair, for lack of better words, um, not getting myself in any trouble here, could communicate with each other then to ensure that, um, to say, you know, hey, you know, we finished if you want to get that done. You know, I don't want to speak to say that, you know, if we get done, if we start at six and we get through our agenda at 645 and a group goes into subcommittee and the chapter 10 subcommittee does 40 minutes worth of work and they're done. I don't want, I'm not going to go back and penalize them or be punitive to say, you know, you didn't stay for your full hour. You know, I think if groups can get their work done and they're doing work outside of that, more power to them. Um, but I think one, to Dr. Muhammad's point, we do, once the, and to Dr. and Commissioner Bluxham's point, if we can get that first meeting, if our groups can identify who their point of contact, their, their chair is or person in charge or leader, champion, all the above, then we can share that information with Dr. Muhammad and Casey so that we're aware of that. So then there's a mechanism there to, um, as far as accountability is concerned. Um, I guess with the meetings, if we're doing the RSVP, I guess my question is one, and we kind of tap danced around this and I know it's getting a little bit late. Moving forward, how do you want commissioners to RSVP for the meetings? Because again, some of us get the notifications because we signed up for them through the city's website. Others are waiting for an email from either yourself or Bobby. So as far as that mechanism piece, how do you want commissioners to RSVP? And then I'm, you know, from accountability purpose, I would love for commissioners to notify me if they're not going to be at a meeting because it seems a little counterproductive in the past, you know, folks would email Scott, Scott would then email me and I'm just like, why didn't somebody just email me? <laughs> and, and, and I know that, you know, I, I don't want to put, you know, we can't say 24 hours because things happen. Um, but I think if we could minimize the multiple points of contact and just if commissioners can just let me know, no reply all, no CC all, um, and just let me know if they're not going to be there, then I can be ahead of the game of the curve and be able to notify subgroups when we meet and when we start the meeting, um, if they're going to be minus one or minus two and how to flow over. So one, I would like if commissioners, if they're going to be um, either late, tardy for the party or not attending due to any circumstances, they could notify me, that would be great. But as far as RS the RSVP mechanism, what is that going to look like? Because I think we, some are still a little confused about that. And, you know, like this past month, we got the email from Bobby and that threw me for a loop. So should we expect an RSVP Zoom link from you? Should we utilize the city feature? Which one? And then I'm going to stop talking. Uh, great. Chairperson Sellers, uh, Dr. Muhammad, uh, Director of Equity and Inclusion. 
I think depending on how you want to kind of frame that as far as what mechanism you feel may work best for yourself and the rest of the commission. So given that this commission meets the second Monday of the month, if you feel as if a week ahead of time that maybe that prior Monday can work as far as a heads up or an advance notice related to who will be able to attend the meeting or not, uh, that could be potentially a, a route to go. Um, that's, I guess, contingent upon what you feel is most adequate amount of time to uh, be notified. And this is Commissioner Sellers. I have this plastered for me. I've had it plastered over multiple calendars. So even if I don't get a notification, I, I kind of know to be expected. Uh, for me, I often function with two weeks notice, but I would like to uh, hear from commissioners if you're you need two weeks notice, one week notice. What is adequate enough time for you all to flip the switch to remind you that we have a meeting uh, so on the second Monday? One more thing, if I could jump in again, uh, Dr. Muhammad, uh, Director of Equity and Inclusion. Uh, I know there was some challenges related to like the MailChimp mailing of reservations for the meeting. So if just a simple email coming from myself to all the commissioners, if that can work best and it's uh, easier to navigate that, then I would be willing to do that as well as far as sending out an email in advance and giving commissioners a period of time to be able to respond by the uh, Monday prior to this Monday meeting, the second Monday, then I I'll be willing to do that as well. Uh, this is Commissioner Emerson. I, I'm one of those commissioners with little people um, that I love and hold so dear. Um, and so I have so many different schedules. Um, and so I, I put this one on my schedule, but sometimes I have appointments that are scheduled are canceled. And so it's always for myself um, having the, hey, we're meeting next Monday for sure. Good. So it, it's helpful um, to say, okay, cool. I need to actually go in and do that. So. So this is Commissioner Seller. So I'm hearing if we received a email from Dr. Muhammad two weeks prior to with the Zoom link reminding us of our meeting and that if folks are not going to be available, they would need to contact Dr. Muhammad or myself. Does that sound like a standard practice that works? I'm hearing a week. So as long as everyone has a week notice. Are there any objections to a one week notice? Okay. So Dr. Muhammad, it sounds like if you could send something out a week ahead to commissioners and then with the Zoom link for everyone to, to, to log in and get registered. And then if there's any concerns or someone's not able to attend, then we could, they can send that email to you and then we, or well, yes, they can send it to you, and we can. I can reach out to you. That sounds good. I'm still trying to close these extra loops, people, and you're making it hard for me. Um, Notice in the comments in regards to contact information. I know Scott had one point sent a uh, kind of like a not a spreadsheet, but he had a running list of contact information for everyone. I know that is that's also located on the city's website, but Casey, Dr. Muhammad, is that something you all could send out again or would you prefer that we pull that 
from the from the website. Yes, uh, Dr. Harvard, Director of Equity and Inclusion. Yes, I think that's something that we should be able to get out as well and send that out to all the different uh, commissioners. And also, as just as a heads up, uh, Scott Wagner, the legal analyst, uh, has a conflict of responsibilities. So he will likely no longer be attending this meeting, but of course he'll still be a resource to you all if you need him for anything specifically. But I do want to give you a heads up on that. In addition to that, uh, Assistant City Manager Casey Toomey, as humble as she is and as, uh, as much as she's passionate about this commission in general, she as well has been trying to pull back for the last couple months and been doing me favors uh, as far as filling in last month and attending this one as well to make sure I'm up to speed related to what got discussed at the previous meeting. So she probably has some closer remarks about departing towards the end of this meeting as well. So I just wanted to help lighten that for her as we get towards the end of this meeting here. This is Commissioner Sellers. Look at you, Dr. Muhammad, just stealing my thunder. I'm going to share <laughs> oh, all sorry. of that. But I think that is a good pivot uh, for us as we close out this evening. Um, as Dr. Muhammad mentioned, um, we are, um, um, Scott Wagner is pivoting and is is moving to uh, having to shift his responsibility. So he wasn't able to join us this evening, but he did send his regards and well wishes and I did reply back. So I told him that he would be missed. But um, if you all want to check out the aviation advisory board meetings, <laughs> that's where he is. So feel free to not zoom bomb, but pop in and, 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 and give him a little a thumbs down emoji for leaving us, but also a smiley face because we know he's, He's been wonderful during this time. And, and Casey is, you know, transitioning, but she'll still be around. But we do appreciate all the work that um, Casey has done for, for the commission as well. And I can speak for myself. I know she has been a lifeline. I know I kind of came into this quite the firecracker. And um, she has been someone that is very helpful and, and as I navigate this process. So... Uh, I do appreciate the work that you have done with this commission and, and transitioning and getting us into a place where we are now as well. You've been helpful to me in that process. So thank you, Casey. Thank you. This is Casey Jimmy, Assistant City Manager. Thank you, Commissioner uh, Sellers. I am um, echo all of the comments that everyone said about you tonight. You are, you are awesome and you did put in a, a lot of work um, and I know there's a lot of work yet to come and I'm anxious to see that from afar. And I'm sure Ferris will keep me posted. And if I want to attend, I know now to register in advance <laughs> and I will do it. So thank you all. Um, it's been a pleasure and I'm not far. So Ferris knows where to find me if there's anything I can ever do to help. And I'm really excited for you all to get to work more with Ferris moving forward. So I didn't want to leave and not say goodbye though. So I will probably see you at your next meeting, but thanks everybody. And this is Commissioner Sellers. Thank you, Casey. Um, commissioners, we are now... Um, towards the end of our uh, agenda for public comment. So wanted to look to the gallery and Dr. Muhammad, if you could let us know if there's anyone with you, or I thought we did have someone virtually that may have been here for a public comment. Yes. Dr. Muhammad, Director of Equity and Inclusion. Uh, we do have someone from the public present. I'm not sure if the individual has a comment. 
So I will open it up to say that if someone has a comment, if you want to use the raise hand feature or just unmute uh, if Chairperson Sellers is ready for public comments. This is Commissioner Sellers. Thank you, Chad, for joining the commission and um, hope that you enjoyed our spirited conversation. And if there, you have any questions in regards to the commission's work or for myself, um, do sorry there. Please do not hesitate to reach out um, and let us know your thoughts or concerns. All right. Are there any other individuals available or who wish to provide any public comments? All right, hearing none, commissioners. We had another scorcher this month. I'm telling you, you guys are, you guys are, you like enjoy burning it from both ends, but I'm glad we did, like I said, we've had some good discussion and I really feel comfortable and confident about where our commission is going and, and preparing ourselves for the work ahead. So I do appreciate you all um, going on this journey with me. Um, and so we do need to roll our sleeves up. We do have our work ahead of us, but um, I, I hope that I've laid out, you know, a process and um, that everyone can feel excited about and feel encouraged about and emboldened to do the work. Um, I will leave a little bit of homework to you. I know it's been a while since I joined the commission, but one of the first things that I was tasked with um, was helping to develop um, our Black Lives Matter solidarity statement. And I know it's been a while and, um, since we've seen that. So if, it, if you haven't seen it or you don't have it saved um, on your desktop or um, posted somewhere, framed somewhere, take, go take a look at it on our city's website, dust it off. Um, there's some good nuggets in there and I really do speaks to the charge of what we are um, called to do as commissioners on this, um, um, on this board. And so um, that kind of serves as a reminder and I've been using that to guide what I've been able to present to you all each and every month. And there have been days where um, it's been a little bit challenging, it's been a little bit frustrating, but I've always I've gone back to this as a reference point to ensure that I maintain um, that, that call to action. So um, if you haven't had a moment, Take a look at it as we move forward and we move through this work. It seems heavy. It seems overwhelming. It seems that it's going to make us a little bit vulnerable, but it's going to make us better in the long run. It's going to make our, our city better. So thank you again, everyone, this evening. Thank you, Dr. Muhammad. Thank you, Casey, um, Chad, and Ms. Afoka. Thank you for a wonderful um, um, meeting. And I will adjourn us at 8.13 p.m. Have a good night, everyone. Bye.